Marshall, Will, and Holly on the routine expedition met the greatest earthquake ever known. High on the rapids, it struck their tiny raft and plunged them down a thousand feet below to the land of the lost. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the X Men Comics Commentary Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Adam. And I am Jeremy. So we are uh, doing X-Men number 10, the March 1965 issue. Yeah, this one's introducing Kazar, Lord of the Jungle. You know what? I always thought it was pronounced Kazar too. But now, looking at the very first uh, splash panel of the first page... There's a little uh, a little arrow that says pronounced Kesar. Man, you're jumping way ahead. I wanted <laughs> to talk about this this cover here with Kesar. What's that? We can jump. We can just jump backwards. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, Kesar. They they go out of their way to tell us that it's pronounced Kesar. There you which go. Which I never knew. Which is exciting. You know what? I wish they'd done that for Magneto. <laughs> they they should have phonetic speech or, or pronunciations of all <laughs> for heroes. Every and character. Cyclops. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have read this issue uh, two or three times, and I'm, this is going to be like the last time I say that because as we move into issues 11 on, I've only read those once before, but as I had that Marvel Masterpiece thing, I read this thing over uh-huh. and over and over again. Uh, I never actually read that little blurb there that says pronounced Kesar. So <laughs> really, <laughs> every time I read it, I read it as Kazar. But uh, what I I'm, like Kazar better, to be honest. I think Kazar is much cooler. Um, I wanted. There's this little circle, and uh, we seem to be very excited about thrilling to Zabu that the saber tooth. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I don't know. It's just I, I think we're going to see that more in the book. Uh, more. Look, there's Zabu. Zabu is so spectacular. It's kind of a circus like. <laughs> And we do know that the X-Men do like the circus. Indeed, the circus and the wrestling circuit. So uh, on this cover, there's no trace of Magneto. There's just this, uh, I don't know, uh, Tarzan-looking guy uh, jumping at the team. Uh-huh. Uh, and no Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So uh, hopefully this is going to be an original and riveting, exciting story. Well, the, the last one was. Yes. We haven't dealt with Magneto and the likes of the Brotherhood for one issue now? I, uh, two. I mean, well, the Eunice issue kind of doesn't count because Brotherhood there. It had Mastermind, but other than right. that, you know. All right, all right. So two. <laughs> two in a row. And this will be number this three. This will be the third. So as we open the book, we get this kind of splash scene that I talked about last time, the one that I didn't really like. Uh, the throwaway page where we kind of start the book in the middle of yeah, the book. Yeah, I mean, other than the credits and the title, this page is kind of meaningless. We 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 don't really even need to talk about it unless you unless you have something exciting to say. Well, again, they introduce Zabu, the saber tooth stalker. So this is the second time that we're getting an introduction to Zabu, <laughs> and he's just a saber tooth tiger. Well, 
Isn't that exciting? <laughs> yes. So uh, we're joined again with Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, uh, Chick Stone, and S. Rosen as our yeah. artists who have delivered this book to us. Featuring a fascinating journey to the world that time forgot. The title of this one is The Coming of Kesar. Or The Coming of Kazar, pronounced Kesar. Yes. But I think when you say that, you need to say it really loud, just like the letters are standing out there with a the big explanation point. <laughs> okay, well, anyways. Well, they don't know pronunciation guide for Zebu. <laughs> I'm going to go with Zebu. <laughs> I think it's Zebu. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to go with that one, too. Zebu it is. He's French. He's a French saber tiger. Monsieur Zebu. <laughs> So as we join the book on where it really starts on page two, we join the X-Men in the danger room. Where Jean Grey is putting together, she has, she's disassembled a rifle and uh, she is getting ready to put it together. That's no small feat. Yes, and Cyclops is congratulating her and uh, Iceman is skeptical that she'll ever get it back together. I would be Beast too. Is, uh, Beast is saying, yeah, yeah, she'll, she'll do it. And then and then, Marvel Girl says, guys, shut up. I cannot be distracted. I mean, uh, I wonder if they got so many letters about Marvel Girl being underused and always having exercises where she's sewing with telepathy that or uh, telekinesis <laughs> that, they're, that finally uh, Stan Lee wrote her disassembling and reassembling a gun. Or maybe uh, Stan Lee got tired of it. I could be. Anyway, the following panel, she successfully puts it together, and then she and Scott exchange uh, private word balloons about each other's magnificence and beauty. It's getting thick. The last couple of yeah. issues, it's just hot and thick. That's all I got to say. Excellent, Gene. Mm. You've refined your power to an almost unbelievable degree, and then in his mind... Almost as unbelievable as your beauty, which leaves me breathless. Yes. But to you, I'll never be anything more than Marvel Girl. I've got to change the subject. When she stands this close to me, I forget everything but my desire to reach out to embrace her. Oh, man. These guys are whipped. <laughs> Just whipped. Who thinks like that? This is how life was in the 60s. Oh, just a bunch of teenagers like, boy, I wish I could embrace her. <laughs> That's yeah. how I was in you know. <laughs> That's how I was in the 60s, too. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, Cyclops is wondering, by the way, he's changing the subject, uh, where Warren is. Marvel Girl realizes so, that's right. He's not even here. They, uh, the whole team quickly races to Warren's room. I, I would say that's is, less of a quickly and more of a dash. I'd say they are dashing to wherever Warren is. All right. Well, they can they can be quickly dashing. Oh, okay. And it turns out that Warren is, in fact, there, and he's watching TV. And uh, on the next page, uh, Cyclops begins to scold him. But then Warren stops and says, no, 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 Scott. Hush up, Check Scotty. this out. <laughs> this, this is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see on the television a uh, videotape broadcast of Antarctica with a bunch of dudes in uh, snow gear. They look like uh, Sherpas with guns. With guns. Yeah. Um. And uh, they're talking about a loincloth uh, toting guy who's wearing nothing but a loincloth carrying one of their missing exploration 
party members back to the camp um, with a saber-toothed tiger in tow. And uh, everybody panics, starts shooting at them, and mayhem ensues. I would say... The cloth man starts tossing people around. The saber-toothed tiger jumps on one of their, uh, I don't know, cobra hiss-looking like tanks. <laughs> no, it looks like the snow cat. Okay, okay. If you remember the snow cat from G.I. Joe days. <laughs> That's the one that had skis for front tires and it had the tracks. It's a cross between a it's a cross between a snow cat and a hiss. Alright, I'll give you that one. I wonder if that's Zebu. <laughs> <laughs> and Kesar. I'm already thrilling to their spectacular uh introductions. The X Men immediately assume that he must be a mutant because he's wearing a loincloth and he's not he doesn't look all that cold. Although, you know, maybe he is cold. They didn't they didn't stop to ask him. No. It's a possibility he's cold. I mean, I think a human being could live running around in a loincloth in the snow. I mean, they'd be uncomfortable, and eventually they would die, but it's not yeah. possible. Look at Jean Grey. She's she's clearly fascinated, and she, she says, Oh, that wild man, <laughs> like a latter-day Tarzan, oh. in that frigid climate without protective clothes. Ooh la la. Could he be? She, she's very excited. She's got her fingers to her lips in anticipation. She's thinking, you know, this Cyclops thing might not work out. I wonder who would like to be take a tumble with that guy. She's thinking, I wish the camera would zoom in on his loincloth. So minutes later, the excited teenagers rush into the luxurious study of the man called Professor X. And they regale him with the story of the crazy saber-toothed tiger and the super-hot, oiled-up, uh, loincloth-clad man. <laughs> yep, and uh, apparently Professor X knows about all, all about this already because Washington has already contacted him. Again, wh- why does Washington have... I mean, why does Professor have, like, these connections to the government? It doesn't make any sense. I think back in the day, maybe the Professor was more free about mind-controlling everybody in Washington. <laughs> oh, well, that, I, okay. So what you're telling me is he went down and he found, like, some Department of Defense head and said, woo-woo-woo-woo-woo-woo-woo with his mental powers, <laughs> and then said, you will contact me when odd things happen. Woo-woo-woo. And the guy's like, all exactly. right, Professor. All right, um, that's the only way Maybe. I buy this. Otherwise, I say that the government, uh, uh, all, the pol- all the people uh, in the government should be fired for wasting funds on contacting this weird college <laughs> that uh, trains mutants to tell them about <laughs> everything that's happening in the government. The other possibility is that uh, one of these um, Sherpas in the Antarctic uh, Iceland is named Washington. Oh, yeah, yeah. that could be. Washington phoned me and told me all about it. Isn't there a latter-day, like in Rob Liefeld's run of X-Force, there was a guy named G.W. Bridge and it was George Washington Bridge? I have no idea. Maybe it's that guy. It could be. Uh, I'm going to go with that then. Either one of those two. (laughs) (laughs) A a dude named Washington called him or he brainwashed somebody in Washington. But Washington did not call him of their own volition. Anyways. Yes, yes. uh, After a quick talking with, the professor changes his mind and says that, you know, you guys have been inactive, so why don't you head out to the North Pole? Right. First he's saying, you know what? He's not a mutant because Cerebro or Cyberno, or myself. <laughs> Something. <laughs> totally sensed it. And then he says, but you guys need, uh, you guys, like, you, like you said, you guys, you guys need an adventure. And then look at this panel of X-Men 
<laughs> First of all, uh, Jean Grey looks like she's plotting something. Ooh, I get to I get to see the loincloth man. <laughs> yeah. She is very excited. Yeah. And then um, Iceman's all like, hot dog! Hot and then dog. Uh, Beast opens up his uh, mouth because he's ready to have those hot dogs answered. Now, I think he's doing a Pac-Man impression there. <laughs> gobble, gobble. Yeah. Uh, so... Then we get we're treated to yet another scene of the X Men dashing off somewhere, presumably yep. to get ready for their trip to the North Pole. Yep, a, a brief costume change as mm-hmm. Warren whips off his clothes. Everybody's pretty excited. Cyclops stays behind to have a slight debriefing, um, and the professor lets him know that he's not coming along on this one because you X Men graduated and and uh, you don't need me anymore. Mm-hmm. He's gonna As do. He's gonna do work at the mansion, and you know what that means? Porn. No. <laughs> <laughs> the professor's getting down. He's gonna call some boys over to deliver the good stuff, and he's just gonna watch porn for a week straight. He's starting up a secondary team called the Sex Men. Oh yeah, you know what that means. So off he shakes. So he shakes uh, Cyclops' hand, and as uh, Cyclops walks out, he says, Hey, uh, you might want to wash that hand before you leave. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, the professor does not actually say that. No, of course not. Um, So somehow uh, they they end up in the North Pole. Days later. Days later. So they flew in some sort of transportation. I'm kind of sad that we didn't get a new X-Copter or X-Jet or, you know, some sort of traveling panel, but whatever. Well, it looks like they're driving around in some sort of X uh, tractor. No, they rented that. There's a plane flying away, so maybe the plane has something to do with it, too. Could be, could be. So uh, what we can infer here is that the airplane dropped off a bunch of teenagers at the North Pole, and then whatever military installation they arrived at gave them this little tractor to drive around in. So uh, Angel complains about how he can't fly because it's too darn cold. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, they get to the crevasse mm-hmm. where the video uh, was showing uh, the craziness, the, the loincloth. Yeah, the loincloth craziness. Yes, that's that's the new band I'm going to start. Loincloth craziness. I can't even say that. The hot man meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, yes, the the loincloth man. Uh, they, to see how far down it goes, Cyclops blasts into the bottom of the crevasse, and then, I guess from behind them, a uh, geyser of snow shoots up. I'm not sure how those two things relate, but somehow they do. Well, you know, it's kind of like when you throw uh, like a pebble down a cliff, and then you count, and then you do some math, and you figure out like how far down it is. Cyclops is able to blast down to the bottom of the crevasse, count the amount of seconds before the snow geyser comes out, and that's how they can determine how deep the hole is. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds scientific. <laughs> totally, man. Um, I read that in the well, official X-Men is... Guide to the North Pole. I missed that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. So there's a, uh, a hidden tunnel that the geyser shows mm-hmm. or, or clears the way to. Mm-hmm. And then they infer that the man with the uh, loincloth was not killed, uh, and he must have gone here. They crawl into the tunnel and uh, uh, come out into a whole new world. Yes. Where it's warm, so Angel starts flying around. Mm -hmm. The tunnel is like a huge cavern, 
angel flies past a bunch of bones. Dinosaur bones. Stu, yeah, Stu Reels will recognize as dinosaur bones. Warren, however, thinks they're monsters. Mm-hmm. He's the rational one of the group. He's not too bright. <laughs> Um, then as, uh, the, yes, he sees, uh, pterodactyls flying around trying to eat him. And he says birds from the dinosaur era, which is interesting. Um, apparently Stan Lee was a, uh, innovator as far as the, the theory that dinosaurs came from birds. So I, I, you could look at it that way or that angel just didn't pay <laughs> attention in his history classes. Which is apparently true. <laughs> <laughs> He's calling dinosaur monsters and pterodactyl birds, you know. Stupid rich boy. <laughs> Mother and father paid his way through high school. No wonder he made it to that elite <laughs> Xavier's school. I bet you those wings aren't even real. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The pterodactyls go after him and barely, uh, one of them barely bites him. And Cyclops blasts away at the pterodactyl scattering them all away mm-hmm. yes uh and he's blasting for two full panels as we go into the next one and he yep. takes care of all of the pterodactyls and now we get a chance to kind of explore the wilderness in which we see all manner of crazy animals and well not so many crazy plants but definitely crazy animals there is an ankylosaurus and I don't know what any of these other things are. There's like a, there's some tiny horses. Yes, there are tiny horses. Bobby <laughs> makes a joke about imagining walking some of those tiny horses in the park, which is hilarious. The entire team busts out laughing. No, they don't. Angel, yeah, <laughs> they completely panel of everybody laughing. Har har har! <laughs> the whole full page splash of them laughing at Bobby's <laughs> horrible joke. Yeah, Angel takes off. Uh, to scout, deciding that the flying nightmares, the pterodactyls, are gone, but mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense to me because they just blasted them. They're they're still around somewhere. Yeah, maybe maybe Cyclops disintegrated them. Maybe he turned his beam on full blast finally. Yeah. Stop being such a pansy baby about his powers. Blew the crap out of him. He has been pretty uh, free with his powers so mm-hmm. far. As you mm-hmm. get to crevasses, shooting pterodactyls. Mm-hmm. So then we're treated with a panel of uh, uh, primitive primitive warriors mounted on giant birds. From the video game Joust, I believe. Yes. Uh, Well, these guys are lacking the wings, uh, so I don't know that these could actually fly up to the next platform. Uh, Well, luckily there are no additional platforms, so maybe these are like early uh, level Joust. (laughs) That could be. So now I have a question. So uh, we're we're in the... um, What's it called? The Savage Land. I don't know if we've established yes. that yet, but whatever. It's the Savage Land. I don't Savage think it's Land. referred to as the Savage Land in this issue at all, actually. Oh, really? Well, then I just gave it away. But this is the Savage Land, for everybody who is wondering. And my question about the Savage Land is it's it's underneath the North Pole, but it's warm and... Is there sky? Or where's the... Well, I'm presuming there isn't, but... I mean, there... I don't know. I, I don't understand. I don't know if the current day... Savage Land works this way or not, but um, this is some sort of sci-fi thing that, I don't know, shouldn't be questioned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, it's not like they're in a different realm. It's like, it's like the, uh, what, what's that movie, the, the Land, no, not the Land Before Time, the Land of the Lost? Um, yeah, that's probably where Stanley got it from. Isn't that like an early 50s or 60s movie? Yeah, and then they remade it in 3D with uh, 
that one guy. Will, Will Ferrell. No, Brendan Brendan Fraser. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm thinking about a different um, movie. The one that was in 3D. Anyways, uh, they fall Everything's into... Everything's in 3D these days. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, they fall down into a big hole, and then they end up in this prehistoric land that there's, like, I don't know, big plants and dinosaurs and stuff, and there's a light source in the movie, but it seems like they're underground in the savage land here that they're in. Uh, there appears to definitely be some sort of light source, although every panel in this page is different. We start from blue, then we go to yellow, then pink, and then red. So who knows what's going on up in that sky? But if I were the X-Men, I'd be scared. I'd be scared. I'd be really scared. I would be crying. It's so colorful here. <laughs> well, I mean, if the colors are changing this rapidly, good grief. All right, well, anyways, so these pre- primitive dudes, they hurl some rocks at the X-Men, and, and Cyclops falls down or something, and then the beast uh, Yeah, the rocks apparently contain uh, gas, volcanic gas. gas. Which Cyclops is somehow able to deduce. Apparently, he paid attention his, in his geology class. <laughs> yeah, he has to breathe them in first. He's like, oh, oh is that volcanic gas? <laughs> Crap, and then he falls over. <laughs> yes. Um, it knocks out all of the X-Men except for Beast, who attempts to knock one of the uh, men off of their giant carnivorous birds. joust birds. I have to say, for primitive uh, warriors or whatever, they're pretty advanced with their four bows. Well, yeah, that's exactly what the Beast says. Oh, he does. He's like, whoa, they're not as brainless as they seem. That's a mighty clever multiple arrow launcher they're employing. I'm trying to figure yeah. out how it actually works because there's no... Uh, pulley system. There's no strings. It looks like it's just uh, two pieces of wood with four arrows stuck in it. Yup. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe he just pushes the pieces of wood together so hard that they go flying really fast. Maybe he's just very yeah, strong. That, that that's yeah. Somehow yeah. That's right. what it looks like. We'll go with that. So the primitive. Or maybe he's just threatening him with it. Oh, that and could the, be. The, the the other guys are actually throwing arrows at them. <laughs> he's the one it's that a looks. Distraction. Yes. Yes, there you go. He's the one that looks intimidating, but the other guys are actually doing the work. Uh, so it looks bad for the X-Men, this carnivorous bird and primitive man. He, he grabs Marvel Girl, which, I mean, come on. If you were a primitive man with a bow and arrow and the X-Men were there, which one would you grab? Beast. <laughs> well, I would I would grab Marvel Girl. You're just weird. <laughs> <laughs> but just in the nick of time, some guy with a mighty yeah, yes, comes a the loincloth man and his mighty saber tooth and an awesome saber tooth. This is his spectacular introduction to the X Men. <laughs> wow, you're really digging that saber tooth. I am supposed to. There was two panels explaining how, or two pages explaining how exciting this was going to be. The saber tooth goes after the uh, joust birds and. Um, into the swamp, mm-hmm. but then Kesar calls Zebu, <laughs> Zebu, saying, "Swamp means death, Zebu. There is better way. There is better way. We fight. We fight. Yes, the tiger is tame. Uh, He's conversing with it. Somebody says, "Beast. Beast is the only one awake at this point." Oh, all right, good enough. So Beast starts communicating with everybody, and uh, you know he's starting to wake them up. And explain who they are and all this stuff. Uh, Cyclops continues trying to show off his geology knowledge by explaining once again that volcanic gas put him (laughs) to sleep. It wasn't wasn't the burrito he had in the plane ride over. It was that volcanic (laughs) gas. You got to stay away from that, guys. Jeez, it'll it'll knock you right out. Yeah, that that was 
that was a tough burrito. <laughs> uh, and so Kesar uh, once again repeats the fact that he is Kesar. Yes, two panels in a row. He says, "I am Kesar." Mm-hmm. No touch, none touch. Then Beast puts his hands in a in a thankful manner. He puts his hands on Kesar's shoulder, and Kesar freaks. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> like Zebu to, be- to uh, jump and attack him. Yeah, the Beast. He doesn't like to be touched. So we get our typical heroes battle heroes thing where the X Men attempt to take on uh, Zebu and Kesar. Mm-hmm. And Iceman freezes, like puts a big frozen block of ice around uh, Zebu. Just like he always does, and just like what always sh- happens, somebody shatters it. I know, but I don't know. Wouldn't that? Wouldn't Zebu be at least a little bit out of commission? I would have to imagine that being frozen by a block of ice would be pretty damaging. Yeah. I mean, maybe because he, it gets destroyed so quickly, he's able to get out of it. But, well, but as we continue here, so uh, after that, Cyclops shoots a rock out of Kesar's hands, and then Iceman starts pelting Zebu with <laughs> ice blocks. I mean, he's really got it out for this saber-toothed tiger. No kidding. Like right in his Although nose, he, too. You know that that saber-toothed tiger is sneezing at this point. He was. Uh, he he has mentioned a few times that he's kind of afraid of the saber-toothed tiger. So. Oh, okay. Well, that just goes without yeah. having to say. So I think actually Zebu is under the weather uh, from the ice block, and now Iceman is just being a dick. <laughs> uh, yes, I agree. Now yeah, pick on the guy who's wounded. <laughs> it's like kicking a guy when he's already down or hitting somebody in the back. Iceman's a – he ain't cool, man. That ain't cool. <laughs> so in the middle of this uh, battle between the X-Men and Kesar, another – uh, loincloth wearing... Oh, I guess he's not wearing a loincloth. He's wearing more of a... Uh, what is that? Some sort of... A fur diaper? <laughs> Some sort of diaper pelt. <laughs> yes, uh, a pelt diaper. Uh, and he runs in uh, and talks He about- comes along completely randomly, and he's like, Kesar is smooth-skinned weakling. I crush Kesar. It's just, like, completely random. He's enamored with the smooth skin. Uh, and then, unfortunately, we do not get a pronunciation guide for this guy's name, but uh, Kesar says, Magor, the killer, last of man ape tribe. So, could be, get into a could be Magor, Magar, Magor. Well, it's definitely not. It's, it's uh, yeah, I'll go with your, your Magor. Magor. I accept that. Okay. And then they fight. I can't think of a French alternative. Megor. <laughs> Megor. The killer. It's like a cheese. of man, ape tribe. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a French colony that just got stuck underneath the North Pole. <laughs> and they've devolved over the centuries. All right. So, so they fight for about four or five panels, and Katesar essentially kicks his ass. Yeah. And then uh, does a mighty roar. Yeah! And mm. uh, Zabu, who did absolutely nothing in that fight, also... Roars. Roar! Stronger than Mastodon. Stronger than Giant Boar. Mighty is Kesar, Lord of Jungle. It's like his uh, Superman, you know, like, able to leap tall buildings in the same bound. Like, if Kesar had a TV show, this is how it would start off. So at this point, um, Cyclops... at this point, Cyclops runs up to Kesar and says, "Hey, look, we're on the same side. You got to help us find Marvel Girl." 
And then he does exactly what Beast did, which is touch Kesar on his, you know, skin. On his smooth uh, skin. This time, because I'm guessing that Kesar is a little bit more attracted to Cyclops (laughs) than he was to Beast, he's like, oh yeah, I'll help. Kesar like skinny man. (laughs) Skinny Skinny one-eyed man. man. Let me see your skinny one. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So then they they, off they go. They're running across the forest or or like a big tree branch or something covered in moss. Kesar, Kesar, Kesar of the jungle. Where are they going and why? They are going to find the swamp people to rescue Marvel Girl. I completely forgot that somebody had actually kidnapped Marvel Girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, And so Uh, off Angel goes. Oh, yeah. I had completely forgot that Angel was not a part of the team at this point. So, good lord! Meanwhile, <laughs> I had forgotten that too. Angel so. is flying around the Savage Land, and uh, he bumps into a brontosaurus, mm-hmm. flies away, and then gets caught in a net mm-hmm. and kidnapped by the very same swampmen that kidnapped Marvel Girl, who live in a temple. That's kind of good luck, though. I mean, to be caught by the same people that caught the person that you're looking for. Not, not, uh, the coincidences are amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this works out for uh, for the better, I guess. Um, here we have a man with a crocodile head mm-hmm. and um, a very ugly man in the foreground. So i got to imagine that the crocodile man is probably not the popular guy of the group because everybody else is kind of <laughs> humanoid, then they got croc man. Well, I think he's wearing, like, th- those are trophies. He's He oh. killed a crocodile. Oh. And he's like, check me out. I am totally wearing crocodile stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I am totally, w- I killed this dude. I'm wearing he's, him. I'm saying he's the leader. I think you're right, actually. I'm going to take Croc that Croc leader. Yes. Uh, they drag them up to the top of the temple and leave Marvel Girl and Angel behind. I'm assuming that this is some sort of sacrifice or something. Yes. And, uh, um... Some doors open, and then Jean Grey, in another Stanley faux pas that I will explain away as some brilliant writing, says, Scott, listen, did you hear that roar from down there? <laughs> and I'm going to say that she references Scott in this uh, panel rather than Warren because of her intense love for Scott. And she's she, when she falls into danger, she immediately just says, she calls everybody Scott. So it's kind of like a Freudian thing there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, uh, that's brilliant. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that uh, on this. So Stanley did it on purpose. You heard it here first. Um, what is pitch? Oh yeah, good good. Uh, I just I just accepted that without even questioning it. I thought of that. Oh, uh, so Warren asks her to undo his ropes with telekinesis, which is a logical thing. She's not blindfolded or anything, so she really doesn't have an excuse to to do anything like that. Or, or even better, uh, she could pull a C three PO right in Re- Return of the Jedi, and she oh, could yeah. use her telekinesis to lift one of them up, and then they'd all think she was a god or something. But she exactly. doesn't do either because the ropes are covered in pitch, uh, and they won't unravel. I, I don't understand. I don't understand what that means. I was thinking like, maybe it's like hot glue or something. Where are these guys going to get hot glue from? You know, the least that she could do is she could like telekinetically lift Warren up and then start slamming his ropes against the <laughs> ground. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would, that would be, you know, that's good, that's good uh, thinking right there. And then Warren would be all beat up and stuff, but at least he'd be free, you know, eventually. Well, here's the, uh, here's the thing. Um, 
So Warren suggests that she uncover or untie her ropes with telekinesis, and she says they've got pitch on them. Mm -hmm. Fine. Fine. Three panels later, uh, Warren says, look, they didn't put any pitch on my bonds, so do your telekinesis on my stuff. Why did he wait for three panels? Oh. Yeah. That's a good question. He was too I, he was too mad at her when she called him Scott. Yeah, probably. She's like, hey, mind it. What? Scott? Oh, you know what? And then as soon as he sees the Tyrannosaurus Rex, he's like, whoa, this is serious. All right, look. I was mad about that Scott thing, but look, there's no pitch on mine. So come on, let's do this thing. <laughs> Quickly now. So, yes, giant Tyrannosaurus Rex comes out of the temple to eat them. And uh, she's in shock because she's a woman, of course. <laughs> she freezes up. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Warren's like, come on, think of the others. And and then we skip to uh, Zabu and Kisar. He's jumping across some sort of uh, big broken log. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of an odd panel structure here. So the action is flowing left to right in the first panel. But then oh, yeah. Bobby makes an ice bridge, and the action is now traveling right to left. So while we can infer they're going the same direction, it's just weird. <laughs> yeah, good point, good point. <laughs> and uh, they make it pretty quickly to the um, whoever those ogre dudes, uh, the croc hideout, I'll call them. Where <laughs> the swamp people where croc master leads. Yes, the swamp people's headquarters. That's where they make it to. Um, and, uh, Kesar is giving Sabretooth, the Sabretooth, Zebu? the Sabretooth, some sort of instruction. Kesar is giving Zebu some sort of instructions. Uh, Beast runs off on his own for some reason. <laughs> He's got to take a leak. <laughs> I'm going to go do some, in quotes, reconnaissance <laughs> on my own. So, uh, Kesar sends Zebu off to do something, to be God, a, a pawn or something, you know. You draw their fires, Abu. We're gonna. We'll come on the other side. Uh, we'll flank them. Well, no, we we find out what Zebu is doing later. Yeah, I know. So then, uh, but apparently, when Zebu was leaving, he went rawr, which uh, uh, convinced the re- revealed where they were. Yeah, now that's it's actually. But he's firing arrows at them. I would say bad saber tooth. Yeah, he could have <laughs> left with like a mew or something, you know, like <laughs> just a quick little purr. Rawr. And then off. But no, he decides to, to scream real loud. Um, so we flash back to the Tyrannosaurus Rex. And uh, I guess instead of untying the ropes, Marvel Girl decides to hurl rocks at the dinosaur. Which she says she she has to do instead of untying the ropes because she doesn't dare turn her head for even a second. Mm-hmm. God knows what could happen. <laughs> and then in a pretty... Uh, awesome feat of telekinesis she knocks the tyrannosaurus rex over yeah i mean why didn't she just do that from the get-go instead of wasting all of her time hurling rocks at him maybe she wouldn't be so tired if she wasn't hurling rocks at him i think it's a level of like confidence she was boosting her own confidence she started with like i can't do anything Uh, maybe i'll throw some rocks at him all right, that's that's not really working, but I'm I've got my confidence back. I'm gonna knock the bitch over, <laughs> and she does, and then she unties Warren, and Warren unties her, and then lifts her up, and they fly nope, away. She's not untied. Oh, she isn't. Oh no, she's not. Oh, you know why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Warren's like, look, I'm sick of this. I've been lusting after <laughs> you for months. You're all tied up. I just rescued you, or something. It don't matter. 
Fortunately for Marvel Girl, a swamp person grabs Angel. <laughs> well, wait, that I have a problem with. What's that? So, so basically, I guess Warren is so weak from his wings being tied up for so long that he he grabs uh, Marvel Girl, mm-hmm. and then he gets low enough to the ground that the the swamp people who went all the way back to the bottom of the temple can grab him or maybe were they just waiting on the side i don't know well he couldn't get altitude so uh maybe he fell down towards okay. uh, just seems like a long way to fall earth well he kind of yeah he it's his it's poor writing so anyways uh the beast after relieving himself decided to scale <laughs> the wall praying that he's not too late yes and, and uh, uh he does some quick fighting, jumping around, uh, beating up some of the guys. He's, mm-hmm. he's a pretty cool guy here. He's uh, He doesn't take no guff. Mm-mm, in a way. Uh, a big battering ram uh, comes hurling out of a door towards Cyclops and Kesar, but Kesar grabs Cyclops and pulls him aside. Yep. Um, and then shouts into the jungle, Yeah! And then which goes on to the next panel, Yeah! And um, and then apparently what Zabu had been doing was gathering up his team of mastodons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they all come running towards the temple. And if it looks like in the bottom of this panel, Kesar gets run over. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Arg! He's, he's not screaming. Well, he's screaming because he's being stepped upon. Arg! <laughs> but he makes it. He survives. Uh, yes, clearly, clearly. Because uh, in the last panel, he's he's telling everybody to run. He was like, Zebu, I told you to get the tiny horses. <laughs> <laughs> you get the mastodon. It makes no sense. They step on me and crush me. Nevertheless, he, he, holds, he holds it together and tells the swamp men to run, to flee from the mighty jungle lord. Yes, the mastodons crash through the temple. And uh, and then the next panel on the next page is an awesome display of Kesar tossing people around and Cyclops blasting things and Iceman creating a giant snowball. Iceman's got like six people stuck in his little snowball, yeah. a big snowball. And then we get this great description of the panel. No mere words of ours can do justice to the fury of Kesar's attack, so we'll attempt no such written description. Yes. The <laughs> irony is that they did. <laughs> well, the irony is that I just did. <laughs> uh, and so Angel, let's see, what um, Marvel Girl screams to Angel. Why, where, where have these two been during this whole fight? Well, I guess they've been dragged down to the earth, and uh, Zabu, I guess they were still struggling with the guy that had Angel's legs. Oh, okay. And um, Zabu comes down this little way and scares all of them off. Marvel Girl is still tied up. Cyclops comes running in, to which Warren's like, damn it, I missed my shot. You know, go go back a panel, though. Oh, okay. Angel and Marvel Girl don't know that Zabu is friendly yet. No, they don't. So... They don't look at all scared by the, uh, I don't know. Well, Angel. would be kind of scared. Angel thinks he's getting some, and Marvel Girl's terrified that she's going to be giving it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, they're more, yes. Maybe they don't even see KSR. I mean, we really don't see what's going on in the panel. We just see a bunch of guys running away from a saber-toothed tiger. 
Yeah. All right. So yeah, Cyclops shows up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, yes, Angel lasts Marvel Girl free. What now? Don't don't forget the romanticism here that's oh, yeah, building, yeah. right? Because Cyclops, the team leader, who's not supposed to have relationships uh, of a personal nature with the team, uh, seems to have more concern over Jean uh, and no concern over Warren whatsoever. To which Warren notices. Is that the normal concern of a leader for an ally? Or do I detect another note in his voice? One that I've been longing to hear. Wow. Wait, don't untie me yet, Cyclops. <laughs> we could just we could just go away. Just for a day or two. <laughs> and then somehow Beast is like Oh yeah. How'd he get up there? Yeah, he doesn't like this is how he explains it. Oh, okay, Beast is at the top of some giant, like, mast-type thing, or at the top of some totem pole. Imagine the scene in uh, any comic book where the nerd is hanging from a flagpole by his underwear. That's basically <laughs> what's happening here. And Cyclops says, how did you get up there, Mr. McCoy? And P, uh, Hank responds, I'm not sure. One minute I was holding a multitude of foes at bay, and then the next thing I knew, instant embarrassment. Great description. <laughs> Yes, I have a feeling that uh, Stan needed to fill a couple panels, and he's like, let's put Beast up on a pole. Brilliant, <laughs> well, maybe there's it again. A, maybe there's a missing page. <laughs> he had one too many pages, and they had to cut it out. <laughs> the one page where they explain how Beast got up on the flagpole. It was a wonderfully uh, illustrated uh, action <laughs> sequence, but we just had to cut it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, instead, we're treated to him being rescued from the pole. <laughs> or whatever the hell it is. And uh, they thank Kesar for his help. Well, they attempt to thank Kesar for his help. They shake hands and all that. And then Kesar is like, no talk. <laughs> Kesar basically says, get the hell out and don't come back. Yeah. And the X-Men do. And the yeah. Mastodons cover up the whole hopefully so that uh, the overworld never comes back again. And Kesar beats his chest. Yes. Um, much like a, another king of the jungle that we won't refer to for trademark reasons. Yeah. Many, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. many questions still remain unanswered, and we suspect that this may not be the last time you will see of Kesar and Zebie. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a good one. I enjoyed that issue. You did? I did. It was a, uh, it was ridiculous. It was kind of a deviation from the story, the ongoing story that's been happening, but it was fun. Yeah. I thought it was, this is, this is the kind of early sixties comics that I like where it's just like, I would, I would take this from the X-Men every month if it was just like this kind of bizarre, fun entertainment. (laughs) Um, all right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess uh, um, I am of a different opinion. <laughs> it, the, the entire story and premise seems completely pointless. They went to the North Pole. Marvel Girl got captured. You know, and again, uh, really, without Kesar, the X-Men don't stand a chance, and they die down there. So you really can't chalk this victory up to an X-Men victory. Oh, yeah, I don't even care if it's an X-Men victory. <laughs> oh, okay. or, or I don't even care if the story is serviced all that well. I mean, it's a story, and it serves its purpose. It was it was like, it's like a one-off. You know, it's just a good old-fashioned X-Men story with some ridiculous fighting. and A throwaway story, you could say. Yes, a throwaway story that alleviates 
the boredom of last month's issue. <laughs> okay, that's that's uh, fair enough. We seem to uh, have uh, enough fun with it, so I guess that's all that matters. <laughs> okay. Letters page, you got anything to pull out? Um, I got to be honest, I don't remember reading the letters page. You got anything in there? Uh, there's a reference to all of Marvel Girl's masks changed, which cool. the... Uh, who, whoever, who's the editor? I guess is it Stan? Maybe it's Stan. It's probably Stan Lee at this point. Now, there's probably some unnamed office yeah. worker who is doing all these letters because there's no way Stan can write all of these comics and answer letters. Yeah, I think it's an unnamed somebody. Um, but but uh, the the answer for why Marvel Girl keeps changing her costume because she's a chick. You, Exactly. <laughs> Is that what it says? Yes, that's exactly what it says. Did you ever see a gar- gal who'd wear the same thing day in and day out? I think I actually did read that. <laughs> and then there's another letter about the uh, a complaint about the use of telekinesis, mm-hmm. saying that it's obsolete and that they should be using psychokinesis. Oh, psychokinesis. Wow. Which apparently went completely ignored. <laughs> well, I mean, they posted it in the letters forum, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Telekinesis seems to have a better ring than psychokinesis. Psychokinesis yeah. would be a, a good power for an evil person with telekinesis. Yeah. I just, it just sounds badass, you know. It doesn't sound yeah. like a hero. What's Agreed. your power? Psychokinesis. <gasps> oh, my God. Don't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways. So, there you have it, folks. Ten issues. One more Fine issue, yes, ten. Ten issues in the can. Oh my gosh, it's a, it's a, it's a mighty Marvel miracle. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's another word for ten. It's a decade. No, it's a decimal. <laughs> I don't know. Feels like a decade. <laughs> and now we get into the good stuff. I'm sure of it. Oh, oh yeah, maybe. I don't know. I know. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, uh, in, in that case, uh, you should visit us at uh, www.redcapproductions forward slash danger room, where you can get all of the latest episodes and your uh, favorite episode back episodes. You can get, uh, you can get, let me start that off again, where you can get all of the, our, oh my gosh, I can't do it, <laughs> where you can get uh, for all your latest episode needs as well as episodes that you may have missed and feel free to leave a comment on any of the episodes that are out there leave us some reviews on iTunes like us on Facebook all the usual stuff and email us at uh, what are we uh, dangerroom at redcatproductions.com and uh, and uh, that would be wonderful at this point if you ask us any questions we will be guaranteed to answer them yes we have, no we have no choice. You could ask us, like, what color socks we're wearing, and we will answer that question. Yes. So until next time, the danger room is closed. Come on, get out of here. Come on, Holly. Go. To the left.